And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Welcome to our series on influencers. We've been uh, hanging out in this uh, message series throughout the summer, and uh, we've been taking a look at uh, people in the Bible, looking at their lives, and uh, we've been asking this kind of key question that's kind of, kind of led kind of the theme throughout this series, is if this person was here with us today, what would they tell us? What kind of advice would they give us in our lives so that we could experience God's absolute best in the way that we live? And today what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph in the Bible, uh, his life story takes up almost half of the uh, book of Genesis. And this is a guy who experienced uh, his share of disappointments in his life. But in the end, he came to realize this very important spiritual truth that I think he would tell us if he was here today. And this is it, that God often uses undesirable situations to get us where we need to go. God often uses undesirable situations in our life to get us where we need to go. If you got your Bible, grab that, and we're going to make our way to Genesis chapter 37. But before we do that, let's prepare our heart for what God has to say to us today. You'll see this up on the screens. Repeat this with me today. Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to stop right there, and I want us to do that again. Because it didn't sound like you meant it. And I, this is no good if it's me up here. This has got to be the Lord speaking. So let's, let's, let's say that prayer again. Say it with me as I open your word today. Me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. Yes, in Jesus' name, amen. That's awesome. We should do it that way every week. Good, good. Well, today's a special day, one, because it's July 4th, which means that we get to gather with family and friends. We get some, some good food that we get to um, get to eat. But today's also a special day. I don't know if you know this, but there's another reason why uh, today is a special day. And that reason is, is we are nine weeks away from college football. Yeah, college football is my jam. I don't know about you, but go Knowles. Yeah, there, I see a few of you scout. Yeah, there's a few Gator fans. Um, I will say this. We, 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 um, we like John and Joyce so much that we still invited them on staff, and he's a Gator fan. Whoa, wait a minute. There is way too much cheering going on in this place for that. So I guess you're going to find some, you guys are going to find some love here. Um, but I, I'm a big football fan, and uh, I don't know if you know this about me, kind of interesting fact, but I played football in college. Yeah, flag football. <laughs> but as a kid, I loved playing football. Like I played football as a kid growing up and got an opportunity to play in high school too. And 
As a kid, one of my favorite uh, players to be able to watch was a guy named Steve Largent. I don't know if you recognize that name. He played for the Seattle Seahawks. He was a, a wide receiver playing for them. And Steve was, a, um, he was an All-American at, uh, at Tulsa. And he ended up being drafted by the Houston Oilers in 1976, which I personally believe 1976 is the best year ever in the history of the world besides when Jesus gave his life, um, because I was born in 1976. Um, And uh, I don't know if there's any other 76ers in here, but... uh, um, uh, I'm starting to realize 76 is getting old because I had to ask Wes to increase the font on the TV in the back because I couldn't see it anymore. Um, but Steve Largent was a wide receiver, uh, played at Tulsa, ended up being drafted in the fourth round by the Houston Oilers. Now, here's a guy that you could imagine had a dream in his heart all the way from as a kid. When he began to play football as a kid, he had a dream in his heart to be able to play professional football. And he gets to the point where he gets drafted in the NFL. You can imagine the excitement that he had to feel in that, that, that feeling like, okay, a dream, all this hard work that I had, I had put in all the way to this point is now paying off. But what happens with Steve's story is that he gets drafted by the Oilers, and after four of the first preseason games, he's on the chopping block. They end up at last second trading him to the Seattle Seahawks, and his first practice for the Seahawks, he drops every single ball that's thrown to him. I mean, could you imagine the pressure of being in the NFL, right, in the NFL, And they're throwing you balls and you're dropping them everywhere. And the coach comes up to him and pulls him off to the side, tells him to kind of relax, to chill out. He's like, you know, you got a gift, you've got a talent, let your talent take over. And Steve eventually does. And he becomes one of the best players to ever play for the Seattle Seahawks. He holds tons of receiving records and ended up being a first ballot Hall of Famer with the Seahawks. You know, just like Steve's life, who had a dream and experienced a lot of ups and downs along the way, none of us are exempt from having to experience in our life disappointments, delays, or even detours. Now, if your life is anything like mine, some of those you see coming right? Some of those difficulties, difficult situations that you face in life, you kind of see them coming and you can make preparation for them. But some of them take you completely by surprise. Have you ever had a disappointment like that? Have you ever had to walk through something in your life that completely took you by surprise? And think of Think of the emotions and the feelings that you had to wrestle with there, the numbness, being angry, hurt, the the heartbrokenness. And when I think about Joseph's life and I think about about when we try to kind of take a step back and 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 we look at Joseph's life and what he would have to say to us today, I think we've got to ask ourselves this question. How do we, in the midst of difficult seasons in our life, How do we lean into God? Instead of pulling away, how do we lean in to God so that he can get us where we need to go? Well, let's take a look at Joseph's life in Genesis chapter 37. We see Joseph and 
He's a man who, despite um, undesirable situations in his life, that at the end of his life, that he ends up with a very interesting perspective of everything that he's gone through. This is a guy who goes through difficulty, that God ends up showing up in his life, but the path to get there wasn't what he thought it would look like. We see in Genesis 37, we see a 17-year-old boy named Joseph. He's got 11 brothers, and he's the youngest. But here's the thing, he's daddy's favorite. So you can imagine how that would make all of the other brothers that the youngest here is daddy's favorite. And, and dad gives him a gift. Like if you grew up in Sunday school, you may remember this gift. It's the coat of many colors. That his dad gives him this gift, and it's a gift that sets him apart in a lot of different ways. And, and you know, you wouldn't think that it would be that big of a deal to wear a coat of many colors um, today because there's so much color in our wardrobe. But back then, what they wore was simple. It was plain. And so having color like this implied about Joseph that, one, he was special, and in those days, it was considered royalty to wear that kind of color. And what we see with Joseph is that he, he has no problem parading that coat around to all his siblings. And what ends up happening, what we see is we see Joseph begin to walk through some difficult situations because of it. But despite the difficult situations, God had blessed Joseph with an amazing prophetic gift at an early age. But here's the thing about Joseph is he lacked the wisdom and the maturity and he lacked the character to be what God wanted him to be in the moment. And so God had to allow him to go through some undesirable situations to get him where he wanted him to go. Listen, I want to give you a, a, a quick secret about life that will completely change your perspective of what our life looks like, and it's this, that God is more concerned with our character than our comfort. And when we get that backwards and we assume that God is more concerned with our comfort than our character, then it shatters our worldview. Because we look at every difficulty that we go through in life and we pull away from God or we blame God because of what we're going through. And what we will see in this story is that God is committed to our character development. I mean, think about this, that, that God has blessed all of us with a gift, but God blessed Satan with a gift. And it was Satan's lack of character that got him kicked out of heaven. And so God is fully invested, not just in gifting us with, with amazing talents, but developing our character so it can withstand the weight of the gifts that he gives us. And so what we begin to see here in Genesis 37, starting in verse 5, it says that Joseph had a dream. He had this prophetic dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Now, those three last words are important because it shows us that they hated him in the first place. Like, this is all the more. Like, like it's making it even worse. And, and I want to give you a little, a little nugget recommendation right here. Don't be sharing your business with people that don't like you. It never works out well. Keep your business 
with people that are on in your corner, that are supporting you, that want the best for you. Don't be sharing your business with people that don't want anything to do with you. And here what we see is that begin to play out in Joseph's life. It says in verse 6 that he said to them, listen to this dream that I had, that we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. I mean, can you imagine how these brothers had to feel with their youngest brother saying that they're going to be bowing down to him? the youngest brother that they already don't like. In verse eight, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And then they handed him all the more again because of his dream and what he had to say. Now you would think, you would think that Joseph would have the emotional intelligence to recognize that every time he starts bringing up these dreams about all of his brothers having to bow down to him, that they get a little bent out of shape. But no, not 17-year-old Joseph. He comes right back in verse 9, and then he says, then I had another dream. Hey, guys, check this out. And he told it to his brothers, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father even rebuked him. Now, his father, he's his father's favorite. And his father even rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you had? That while your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Now, it, it reminds me of like when I was a kid and... Um, um, I, sometimes I would have these like, like ideas of how things would kind of pan out in a situation. And I was a kid, so I thought I knew everything, but I didn't realize I knew very little. And my dad would look at me and he'd say, son, you're in for a rude awakening. Anybody else get the son or the daughter? You're in for a rude awakening. And I think this is Joseph's kind of rude awakening a few verses later when his dad asked him to go and to see his brothers as their tending flock. And the Bible goes on to say that as his brothers saw him from a distance, that they began to plot to kill him. And it was this that would begin this 23 long years of undesirable situations in Joseph's life. We see that he had to deal with jealousy in Genesis 37, that his brothers couldn't take daddy's favorite anymore, and so they threw him in a pit to die. And then he's got to deal with rejection. Also, later in that chapter, his brothers ended up selling him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver. Now, now, Here's what is interesting to know is in Exodus, it tells us that the actual um, um, cost of a slave back then was 30. And so for his brother selling him as a slave for 20 was selling him for even less of what it would normally cost for a slave back then. I mean, can you imagine the rejection and the feelings of worthlessness that he had to, to be experiencing and And then you hit the fast forward button on Joseph's life and and you begin to see kind of this journey where in one hand, he's got a promise. In one hand, he's got a promise, a dream from God. And in the other hand, he's got undesirable situation after situation after situation in his life. 
And what we begin to see as, as you read, and hopefully you'll read some more of this this week on your own, but what you will begin to see is this common theme began to surface, and that theme is found in chapter 39, verse 2. And the theme is this. It says that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. That the Lord was with Joseph. And I don't know, you might be here today, you might be watching online, and I don't know what you're walking through, but my guess is some of you are walking through some undesirable situations. That there's some things that you're facing some disappointments, some hopes that you had that haven't worked out the way that you had thought that they would. And I think that you could hang your hat on this fact that the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord is with you. That even in the midst of of difficult situations in Joseph's life, that the Lord was with him. And Jesus promises you and I in Matthew 28, 20, he says, I am with you always. Like no matter where we are, no matter how deep we bury ourselves, no matter how deep in the pit, no matter how many times we break promises to God, no matter how many times we fall short, no matter how many times we think we're doing the right thing, but it seems like bad just keeps happening to us, that Jesus promised us that he's with us always. And I think one of the things that I see in this story with Joseph and his life that brings encouragement to me is that that the Lord was with him and he still walked through difficult situations. Friends, you've got to know that because you're walking through difficulty doesn't mean that God's left you. It doesn't mean he's mad at you. It doesn't mean that he's pushed you aside. That the fact that we walk through difficult situations is a part of life. Because God wants to develop our character within us, not our comfort. And we see here for Joseph, we see that he also has to deal with, in, in, in Genesis 39, being falsely accused. Here he is serving faithfully in Potiphar's house, and, and his wife falsely accuses him of rape. And then he had to deal with, with hurt due to someone else's choices. I don't know if you've ever had to walk through some difficulty in your life, not of your choosing, not because you made a bad decision, but because somebody you're connected to did. And we see this even for Joseph, that, that Potiphar got so angry at, at his wife's accusation of, of Joseph raping her that he throws him into prison. And then in prison, he's got to deal with with feeling used. Where in Genesis chapter 40, he ends up finding himself next to the king of Egypt's cupbearer and chief baker. Now, we, we don't know how they got into prison other than the fact that Pharaoh, the king, sent them to prison. Now, I personally have my own kind of idea as to why they ended up in prison. Um, I think they tried to feed the king something organic or something. And he was just, I'm not going to take anything. Like, I'm done with the greens. I'm done with the kale shakes. And I think he got mad, and I think he threw him into prison. And so whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But he's in, Joseph's in prison with these two guys, and and they end up making a deal. They, They have dreams, and Joseph makes a deal with them. I'll interpret the dream if you put a good word in for me. And Joseph does his part. He interprets the dream. 
helps them get out. And what do they do? They turn their back. I mean, can you imagine the feelings he had to have at that point? Like it used, like they used his gift and he's still in the same spot that he was before. And then you fast forward two more years and God begins to, to open some doors, some major doors in his life and now the king himself has a dream and nobody else can interpret the dream. And what does God do? He reminds the cupbearer of Joseph. And the king summons Joseph to his side and, and Joseph interprets his dream and, and this interpretation of the dream begins this new season for Joseph of favor and promotion and prosperity. And what we see at the end of the day, at the end of the story is that God uses that to elevate Joseph to be second in command over all of Egypt. That Joseph even has an opportunity where his past cross again with his brothers. And where the 17-year-old Joseph paraded around in his coat of many colors, this Joseph, at this moment in life, showed some, some restraint to his brothers. And then we see in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, the perspective that Joseph had after seeing his brothers. He says this in verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I mean, look at that journey for Joseph that he starts out as a young kid. He starts out as immature kid that, that's kind of flaunting the gift that God and the favor that God has for him. And, and he has to go through some difficult situations in his life. But the dream that God had given him never changed. The journey to get there looked completely different than what he thought it would ever look like. But at the end of the day, we can see the character development that happened in Joseph's life. And it led to this part of how God often uses undesirable situations to get you and I where we need to go. Today, I want to share just three, three things that, that I think you and I need to do in our lives to keep us in a position like Joseph did for God to get us where we need to go. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through the difficult situations because it's coming. Jesus promised, didn't he? Jesus promised that we would experience trials and tribulations in our life. He didn't promise us comfort. He promised us difficult situations. And so if you and I are going to go through difficult situations, I want to go through that and receive all that God has for me. I don't want to go through all of that and still never receive what God has for me. And so if we're going to be in a position to do that, these are three things, and, and I'm sure there's more, but these are three things that I think we need to, to do in our lives. The first one is this. We've got to be convinced that God will work everything out for our good in the end. We have to. Like that is a foundational part of our faith of understanding that in the end, as we surrender our lives to the Lord and we allow him to lead and to guide and to direct us, that in the end, he's gonna take all the good 
things that we did and decisions that we made and all the bad ones, and he's going to work it out for our good. And friend, if we are not convinced of that fact, if we are not convinced that God's going to work it all out for our good, then we end up spending all of this time in our lives with worry and with anxiety, trying to figure things out on our own, and we spend our entire lives being led by our feelings rather than our faith. Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for him. You know, I want you to notice in that verse that the promise is connected to the outcome, not the experience. Because you and I are going to have a lot of experiences in our life. We're going to have some good experiences that, that we want to hold on to and we want to remember. And we're going to have some bad experiences that we hope we can forget. It's not connected. The promise is not connected to whether we're making good decisions. It's not connected to whether we feel like we're a good person. It's connected to the end of the journey of living a surrendered life and allowing him to develop the character that he wants to develop in our lives. I think about the Apostle Paul, and he said this in Romans 8.31. He said, if God is for us, which, friend, he is, like, like he is your chance. Like if, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Like he is for you, not against you. He wants the absolute best for your life. And Paul says that he's for us. Who can be against us? Like who or what, like no matter what situation we face, if God is for us and at the end of the day, he's going to work it out for our good as we live a surrendered life to him, then we can lean into God during the difficult times because we know that he's going to develop some things in our lives that's going to prepare us for the next season that he has for us. I think the second thing that we've got to make sure that we do in order to position ourselves for God to get us where he wants us to go is we've got to keep our heart right. This right here. Friend, you and I are going to face tough times. We're going to face tough times. I think of my life and I think of that whole journey and I think of, of the times, my, I think of my biggest failure in ministry. I think, of, I think of the times that Andrew and I had to walk through several different miscarriages and, 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 and the emotions that are connected with that and, and the times that you, you doubt God and the times that you get frustrated and, and angry with God. I think about the times with our kids when they experience sickness out of, out of nowhere and we don't know what's going to happen. I, I think of the times that we went six months without jobs. I think of the times that, that we almost lost our house and, and Unfortunately, it was a miracle that we were able to short sell it when the market tanked. Um, but I think of like, like our journey and I think of all the, the, the disappointments and the experiences through that. I think of being in ministry for, for 21 years or however, however long it's been that we've been in ministry. And, and I think of, listen, I, I know it's a different perspective um, out there than it is up here. But think of, think of the emotional weight of your life being on the spotlight, right? And everybody having um, an expectation on you and your family. 
And it only taking one kind of missed expectation, not that there was a sin ever committed, but just that we didn't call somebody back or we, we had no idea somebody was in the hospital and so we didn't show up or those kind of unmet expectations that in the American church caused people to leave the church, caused people to take people with them. Like, like there's a lot of emotional pain that if you've ever been in ministry that you have to navigate and experience. And these are, these are disappointments and things that you walk through in your life. And, and if you don't keep your heart right through that, if you allow your heart to get calloused, if you allow your heart to, to, to begin to look at people in a different way and to want the worst for them instead of the best for them, then the enemy gets a foothold and you miss out on the best of what God has to offer you. I mean, it's a fight. It's a fight to keep your heart right when you feel like you've been betrayed or hurt or mistreated or taken advantage of or you weren't given the benefit of the doubt. Like, I get it. I promise you, I get it. We're all gonna experience those kind of emotions in our life, but, but James shows us why it's so important that we keep our heart right. In chapter one of James, 19 through 20, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, he says, take note of this, that everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Angry is, is something, anger is something that comes out of, out of our heart because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in our life. That there is a righteousness that God desires to produce in our life. That's that character, not comfort and I think of like like Rob like okay so Robin Williams great actor lousy at giving good advice Robin Williams says said this that there are no rules just follow your heart great actor lousy advice why is it lousy advice because Jeremiah 17 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and it's beyond cure like, who can understand it? Like, the worst advice we could give anybody is follow your heart because our heart does not lead us all the time in the right spot. And we see that in our culture today, that that has become kind of, kind of the new mantra of our culture is, is just follow your heart. And the Bible says that that the heart is deceitful, that it's wicked above all other things in our life, that that it doesn't always have good intentions. And in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, it says this, it says above all else. Like above everything else going on in our life and what we feel like we need to do, above all else, it says guard your heart for everything that we do flows from it. Everything we do, everything we are, that when this is tainted, when this is toxic, that everything that comes out of us is tainted and toxic. And so we've got to make sure that we guard our heart and keep it pure. And then number three, and Grant, you can come on up. Number three, we've got to remain connected. We've got to remain connected. Listen, difficult situations have a tendency to pull us away from God. 
They have a tendency. Have you lost me? Can you guys hear me? Okay, I feel like my volume's dropped in half. Um, When we go through difficult situations, there we go. When we go through difficult situations in our life, it has a tendency to pull us away from God has a tendency to pull us away from the church, to pull us away from vital relationships that we need in our life, to encourage us and keep us moving in the right direction. You know, Romans 12, 12, and I found this interesting this week, says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And you know what I noticed for the first time this week? Those three things are all in the same sentence. (laughs) They're all in the same sentence. It's almost as if in our lives at any given moment that the expectation is to experience all three. That no matter what the difficult situation is that we face, to keep hoping to be patient in difficulty and to be faithful in prayer. You know, over my life, I've learned, I've learned to love and trust God in the midst of painful times, not in the absence of them. That wasn't something that came easy for me. It was something that as I began to kind of live my journey out, that I began to realize that when I pull away from God in difficult seasons, that my life always gets worse. The situations never change, but my life gets worse. And I discovered something about my journey, and I think it applies to yours too that faith is developed through adversity, not comfort. And if God is in the business of developing our faith, then why would we ever think that his best intentions for our lives would be a life of comfort? I mean, you can look throughout the Bible and look throughout all the people that follow Jesus and their lives were far from comfortable. They were persecuted. They were martyred for their faith. They experienced a lot of difficult situations in their lives. You know, I discovered this along the way in my journey. That if we never have a problem in life, then we'd never know his power. If we never had a problem, we'd never know his power. Friend, it's in the difficult situations. When we lean into God and we see the reality that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, and we see that on the other end of that, that he begins to work it ultimately for our good, that we began to experience a dimension of God's faithfulness in our life that we never experience on the couch. We never experience it in the comfortable life. I 
I think that's why when we look at our society today and we see what I would consider such a faithless society. And I think if we really examined our own heart and our own journey and relationship with God, I think that we would see a lot of followers of Christ that have very little faith. Because we always pull away. We always disengage. We always blame God when difficult situations come. But if his promise in our life is he's always going to work it out for our good, and if we understand that he's always more interested in our character development than our comfort, because it's character that sustains the gift that he gives us, that knowing that we can lean in in difficult situations and allow God to do what he wants to do in our life. In James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, don't resist them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. He says, but let this process go on until that endurance is fully developed. And look at this, and you will find that you have become the men and women of mature character. Friend, you've got to hear this pastor's heart this morning that God has dimensions of living planned for you that are far beyond what you're experiencing today. That just like for Joseph, that he had a dream, but the way the journey that it took him and the ups and downs and how he got to the end and he realized that, that, that God didn't intend any of it for harm, but for good. And he intended that the journey wasn't about him, that it was about others. And friend, God has exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think, kind of promises and dreams for your life. And my heart is that you reach out and grab them that you don't pull away from God in difficult times, but you lean in and you allow him to develop what he wants to develop in you so that you too can move out of whatever season you're in into new levels and new seasons that he has for you. When I think of our relationship with God, I think of it like a flame. And I think the question that we all need to ask ourselves is with any fire, when we walk away from it, eventually it goes out. But when we add wood and we fan it, that it shines brighter, that it burns hotter, that it's bigger than we could ever imagine. And friend, that's God's dream for you. Would you bow your head with me today? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to look at 
the life of Joseph and to glean some things from his life. Lord, sometimes I wonder if maybe we miss the point when we pray for you to take things away from our life. Maybe the point is for us to be praying, God, what do you want to do in our lives? But Father, if every difficult season that we face, that you're going you're gonna to use that to develop the character that we need to sustain the gifts that you give us. Lord, right now, when we find ourselves in difficulty, Lord, help us. Instead of being so quick to pray it away, to be quicker to invite you into that moment and to ask one of the most courageous prayers. Lord, what are you wanting to do within my heart through this? With every head bowed and eye closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've been through some difficult seasons. You've faced some things and nobody's, nobody's downplaying that. Like You've been through some tough times and Maybe you've pulled away. Maybe you've disconnected. Maybe you've allowed your heart to grow calloused. Maybe you've quit leaning in. And today, you're sensing the Holy Spirit in this moment, drawing you in. That I believe the Lord wants you to hit the reset button today. To get back on track to recognize that he's with you always. Friend, if that's you today, I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand or come forward, but right there where you are. If that's you, if you're like, Ryan, I need to get back on track. I've been through some difficult times and I've kind of drifted and I'm sensing the Lord right now calling me back. If that's you, just slip up your hand just for a second as just a declaration between you and God and you can put it back down. Yeah. Maybe you're at home watching today and you're sensing that in your heart right there symbolically in your living room or wherever you are. Just slip your hand up as a declaration to the Lord and I just want to pray over you today before we dismiss. Father, you see every hand Lord, you see every heart that is desperate for you. Lord, you see every heart that is broken through difficult situation after situation after situation. And God, we thank you for your promise that you are with us and that you are with us always. And Lord, right now in this moment, I pray that your precious Holy Spirit would begin to do a new work in their lives begin to break off the callousness on their heart, begin to make it soft and pliable again. Lord, help them put their feet back on the path of righteousness. And Father, I pray that Lord, in this moment, they would sense a a refreshing, sense a cleansing, sense of freedom that they've not felt 
in a long, long time. In Jesus' name. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.